You're listening to episode three of the bonus Thrive Tribe 419 podcast, Holistic Health Monthly, with co-host Matt Hollow and expert Q&A by Brooke Gordon. Prosper, flourish, bloom with your people, your close-knit group, your clan, straight out of area code 419 with the most cutting-edge, controversial, and enlightening information from the most knowledgeable experts in everything mind, body, and soul. Welcome to the Thrive Tribe 419 Podcast. I'm your host, Rose Hollow. Hello, Matt. Hey, good evening, Rose. (laughs) So, hi. We're going to talk this month about eating and dieting and nutrition and the keto diet and sugar addictions and things like that in this episode. So our expert Q&A this month is done by Brooke Gordon from Beetroot. And um, the first question one of our listeners had for Brooke was about the keto diet and how it's gaining steam. So I want to start right off the bat with what she had to say about that. Um, and then I'll talk a little bit about what the keto diet is and what it can help with and who it might be for, who it might not be for, things like that. So um, Brooke said, the keto diet, keto diet is interesting. Since I did the Whole30 in October and it's the cousin of keto, I found it can be beneficial and helpful short term. I don't think our bodies were meant to run long-term on a keto diet. I recently saw an article in the Weston A. Price Quarterly Magazine about how our bodies need carbohydrates, plus bread. I love it. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what the ketogenic diet is, and this is according to Wikipedia. Um, So the ketogenic diet is a high-fat, adequate-protein, low-carbohydrate diet that in medicine is used primarily to treat difficult to control or refractory epilepsy in children. Um, That's what it's traditionally used for. The diet forces the body to burn fats rather than carbohydrates. Normally the carbohydrates contained in food are converted into glucose which is then transported around the body and is particularly important in fueling brain function. However, if there is little carbohydrates in the diet, the liver converts fat into fatty acids and ketone bodies. The ketone bodies pass into the brain and replace glucose as the energy source. An elevated level of ketone bodies in the blood, a state known as ketosis, leads to a reduction in the frequency of epileptic seizures. Almost half of children and young people with epilepsy who have tried some form of this diet saw the number of seizures drop drop by at least half, and the effect persists even after discontinuing the diet. There is some evidence that adults with epilepsy may also benefit uh, from the diet. Um, There is a less strict regimen that is uh, a modified Atkins diet, which is sort of like the ketogenic diet. I think a lot of people are more familiar with the Atkins diet, which got really popular kind of in the mid to late 90s, and now um, people have kind of converted that into the Whole30, which a lot of people argue is um, a healthier version of the the Atkins diet. Um, And people are using Atkins 
ketogenic diet and Whole30 or even the um, paleo diet for um, weight loss. So that's why people are looking at the ketogenic diet these days. But um, I think it's important to remember that the ketogenic diet was really made to treat uh, specific um, illnesses. Now, in addition to epilepsy, there's been a lot of research done on the ketogenic diet. Um, and according to a website that I really love, it's called Green Med Info, and I've talked about Green Med Info on this podcast before. There, they have a long list of um, evidence-based information, um, articles written by doctors and experts, things like that. Um, some of it's taken right out of uh, med- medical journals. Um, So these are some things that the ketogenic diet can help with, um, according to the research. Um, Kidney stones, as long as you're drinking enough water, which in the the beginning parts of um, ketogenic diet, people were discouraged from drinking a lot of water. But now they're finding that if you drink a lot of water with a ketogenic diet, it can actually reduce kidney stones instead of um, causing more problems with that. Um, Let's see, what else do we have here? I'm looking at it. Of course, the childhood epilepsy, which is a big one. Um, Promising therapy for non-progressive encephalopathy, which is uh, brain swelling. Um, More epilepsy, more epilepsy. Narcolepsy is mentioned in one of these articles. Um, More about epilepsy in children. Um, Reducing anxiety and improving motor behavior in girls with Rett syndrome. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Brain tumors. I have a friend. Brain tumor? No, I don't have a brain tumor. I hope not. I have a friend whose husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor a year ago. Pretty serious one, deep in the middle of his brain. And um, they removed most of it, but couldn't remove all of it because of the amount of uh, swelling that was there. And also because the more brain you remove, the less brain you have. So um, they removed as much as they felt was safe. And he immediately started the ketogenic diet and... um, is doing very well at this point. Um, So she feels that uh, the ketogenic diet has been extremely beneficial for him. Um, Let's see. Yeah. More about epilepsy here. Um, Preservation of muscle mass. Um, Therapeutic effect in COPD, which is interesting. Let's see. Oh, here's something interesting. One of the studies talks about um, how people experience uh, euphoria when they start the ketogenic diet. And um, they're talking about how that is um, kind of a temporary thing. Um, And that it's... um, it's just kind of a side effect of the ketogenic diet, but it's not going to be like a long-term 
feeling that you have from it. That's too bad. <laughs> That's just what this study says. Um, overall tumor growth delaying effect of unrestricted ketogenic diets in mice um, could help reduce the frequency of migraine attacks. Um, anti, we already talked about this, anticonvulsant, which is like epilepsy and neuroprotective effects. Um, more about epilepsy, more about epilepsy. I would be curious to know the effect on things like um, bipolar disorder because we we use a lot of anticonvulsive medications like Depakote and Trileptal and things like that to treat bipolar disorder. And you're using those off-label? Yeah, but uh-huh. it's pretty much standard of care at this point. So, right. But it's it's interesting. It makes me wonder if you know having a ketogenic diet would would um, help benefit uh, you know some of the mood mood issues. Well, there are hundreds, literally hundreds of um, studies on Green Med Info about the ketogenic diet. So that would be something to look up. I just printed out three pages. There were like so many of these um there's another thing about improving fatty liver disease so you know a lot of these things that are talked about are diseases diseases illnesses um that could be treated with a ketogenic diet but if you're just trying to lose weight um, I have also seen, like Brooke is saying, that maybe short-term would be okay, but long-term could possibly mess with your metabolism. Um, so that's something that you can always consider, but I always encourage someone to really do their research and look into that. I mean, PubMed is free, you guys. So look on PubMed, look on Green Med Info, check out the research Figure it out. Think, you know, see if it's for you. Whole30 is um, a cousin of this. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people doing Whole30 right now and benefiting from that as well. Um, so that, you know, that's just something you need to. And, of course, people always say, like, check with your healthcare provider. I know that I can tell you right now that most conventional doctors have not had nutritional training beyond about two hours or so. I could agree with that. So you want to make sure that you go to somebody who is actually trained in nutrition if you're going to get advice about nutrition. So I'm just throwing that out there. Um, So I think we've covered keto. Is there anything else you want to say about that? No, it's really interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting. It's um, really growing, growing in popularity. So the next thing we're going to talk about and focus on for the rest of this podcast is sugar, sugar addiction (laughs) and all of that. And I know that you, actually, for Brooke, um, what are your thoughts about overcoming sugar addiction and getting back on the health train? Um, Another question was, if someone was going to change just one thing about the way they eat on a daily basis, what do you feel would make the biggest difference in overall health? So... She says that identifying your personality type and what holds you accountable is huge. And um, she mentions the Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies book, which we talked about on our last Holistic Health Monthly episode. Um, Knowing your personality type 
or your um, tendency is really helpful for this. It's more than just buckling down and saying to yourself, are you the type of person that needs a 45 day challenge with a local group or do you need to work yourself into it slowly? Like, are you going to start replacing everything sugary and all your treats with something healthier every time you shop, which is kind of what I do. Um, or, um, Brooke, Brooke is saying that she has to keep any no-no foods out of her house or else she'll end up getting a hankering at 10 PM and getting some cookies from the birthday party leftovers. So, so out it goes. She says, I just know my personality type and create ways to work with it. And you and I were just talking about that too, right. about how we can't bring things into the house because, Willpower. Somebody had mentioned willpower to you recently, and I think willpower is so overrated. Willpower is, it's nothing. It's like a tiny little piece of this. And if you're relying solely on willpower, you're not going to succeed. Like you, You have to create an environment for success for yourself when it comes to changing foods. And sugar is really an addictive substance that has a chemical effect on our brains. You know, if you were if you were going to quit any other substance that had an effect on your brain the way that sugar does, you would probably need professional help. Right. So why do people think that they can beat sugar with willpower? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it it's um I mean, it, it seems silly to to have willpower when you know, especially when you have things that are right in front of you. I think uh, I, you were kind of talking about that um, when we were talking earlier. If if you if you've got if you got a piece of cake in front of you and just say, "Well, I'm going to use willpower and not eat it," you're probably at some point going to fail. And I know that's that's for me probably my biggest issue is when I venture outside of the house and go to work and. Um, somebody's got to bring in donuts, somebody brings in muffins, some, you know, there's, there's a potluck and, you know, there's a thousand kinds of cookies. So that's, that's really the biggest struggle I have because if I pack my own lunch and I do what I need to do and, and eat food that we bring into our house and that we kind of carefully, um, put together and purchase and read labels, I'm fine. But once once I start eating off the reservation, I'm in big trouble, and there's and, and willpower is very difficult. Yeah, I I really am liking that I work from home because of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I don't have to worry about using my own willpower to resist things that are right in front of me. I just don't think it works. I mean, it's not long term. It's not a good solution just like it's hard to quit smoking when you live with a smoker because the Mm -hmm. cigarettes are there or it's hard to keep drinking when you hang out with people who drink you know it's just it's more than willpower you need to set yourself up for success for sure and in my my job what i what i do as a behavioral health provider is is we try to look at those those barriers and the things that get in people's way when they're trying to improve their a1c and their diabetes or um, lower their weight or things like that we or quit smoking we try to see what's going on um, in their home like are you living with a smoker are you living with other people who are um, not following a, a diabetic diet 
you know, whatever the case may be. And, and usually those are the things that, that set them up for failure is what, what their partner's doing, what their kids are doing, what, you know, their roommates are doing, uh, really makes a big, uh, impact on them. Right. I think that it's important for us to talk about kids and sugar too. Now, I am looking at this book right now. It's called The Healthy Gut Cookbook, Boost Your Immune System and Restore Digestive Health by Lindsay Boyers. And I'm I'm a big fan of Lindsay, and I think she knows it. She might even listen to this podcast because <laughs> I know she's listened to other ones. So hi, Lindsay. Um, I'm totally stalking her on Instagram. I love everything that she posts, and I think that she could probably be an inspirational speaker or author in addition to, like, uh... Uh, nutrition expert mm-hmm. um, but I just love this book so I wanted to read a couple things that she's said about um, kids and uh, and their gut health so according to Lindsay's book more than one-third of children in this country are considered overweight or obese Overweight children or are more likely to be overweight teens who are more likely to be overweight adults. And the health risks associated with child obesity are serious. Children who weigh too much are more likely to develop heart disease, type 2 diabetes, some types of cancer, joint problems, and more. There's also a psychological impact of obesity for kids who don't feel good about their size. Obesity tends to decrease self-esteem and disrupt social growth. Do you have anything to say about that, Mr. Therapist? I see that quite a bit at our at our clinic. Um, kids who are uh, extremely overweight, and um, it's really sad because it it kind of becomes this uh, this negative feedback loop where kids, you know, they they're eating a lot of sugar. They're eat, they're eating to kind of comfort themselves, and then their self esteem starts to get worse. And they eat because that helps them feel good temporarily, and it just kind of keeps going, keeps going, and until they're they're really uh, overweight. And we have seen some kids uh, who are starting to become like pre-diabetic and diabetic, you know, just even as like 10, 12, 13 years old, and you know, it's really it's really hard to deal with. And um, we've had to send kids to nutritionists and and that, and we could debate whether that's beneficial or not, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really unfortunate. And, you know, sometimes I've even had kids, um, where their, you know, parents are bringing in, you know, cans of soda and, and it's like morning time and it's like, why are you like, or kids drinking like, um, oh, well they only have like one can of Mountain Dew a day. It's like, how about zero cans of Mountain Dew a day? Yeah. uh, So I things you can give them. Yeah. It's, Yeah. I'm going to read what Brooke had to say about this. Eliminating added sugar from the diet on a daily basis would have to be the most beneficial thing for our bodies. It's been dolled up by Coca-Cola, Hershey's, and Little Debbie to feel like an old friend, a welcome nostalgic high, when truly it's poisoning our bodies and creating an environment that makes it hard to heal and repair. In addition, Lindsay says that um, parents should model good eating. That's like number one. Um, Some other things you can do are add new healthy recipes to your list of tried and true ones. Plan healthy eating for the whole family. 
And something I've been doing with our five-year-old is letting her help me plan some meals. Mm -hmm. So they're all things that I make anyway, Mm -hmm. but I give her the choice out of several things about what we're going to eat throughout the week so she can pick her favorites. And I've found that she's more likely to eat those things when she feels like that's something that she chose ahead of time. And then I let her help me cook if mm-hmm. if and when it's appropriate. Um, you know, doing safe things in the kitchen. Um, and then offering a wide range of foods to make sure kids get all the nutrients they need. Um, make mealtimes a pleasure and never give food as a reward or withhold food as a punishment. I have trouble with not giving food as a reward. <laughs> Because it yeah. is extremely motivating to our ca- child to be able to have a snack. But I always make sure that the snacks are healthy. Right. Like, I give her a choice, but they're both things that I'm okay with her saying yes to. Right. And that and that goes back to what you bring in the house in the first place. Right. And then another um, suggestion by Lindsay is limiting fast food, which I think is very... It's hard in our fast-paced world for a lot of parents to cook a meal every night but um if you can limit that as much as possible that always helps and then of course avoiding refined sugar added sugar and um watching out for school lunches this is a big one this is a huge bone i have to pick with our public schools and they know it (laughs) i have i've brought this up at meetings and um yeah, they all know I have a problem with it. Our our daughter does not eat breakfast at school. She does not eat lunch at school for this very reason. Because these children are consuming three times or four times the amount of sugar that's recommended per day. When really, no sugar would be best, in my opinion. But that's impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, even our daughter gets sugar. But... Um, yeah, it's a big, big problem with our school breakfasts and lunches. But it's it's funny because, um, like at parent-teacher conferences, um, her teacher was so impressed with what she brought to school. You know, the healthy, healthy food and healthy snacks that she brought to school that it, it inspired her to stop giving candy as a reward and also, right. um, you know, start eating healthier herself. Right, and even the principal told me she was embarrassed to eat a cookie in front of me one day, which (laughs) I felt kind of bad about because I'm like, no, if you want to eat a cookie, you eat a cookie. And she was eating it in the privacy of her office, so she's not modeling that to the children anyway. You know, we all deserve a cookie now and then. But, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to know that people are listening and adjusting what they're doing, um, in their own lives and for the kids, so... You know, I've always been kind of an introverted, shy person, afraid to speak up. And I, since having my daughter and having to advocate for her, I've kind of come out of my shell. And I realized that people, people do listen. I mean, if you're kind about it, I'm not rude about it, but I do give people my opinions now in a kind way. And um, it does make a difference sometimes. Some I've, I've talked to people who couldn't care less or, or actually feel a little hostile about things that I say, even though they're, I mean well, um, but there are people that are willing to listen. So it's worth speaking up, I think. 
Oh, yeah. we, we really don't have anything to lose by helping the next generation to be a little bit healthier. Um, okay, so from Lindsay's book, she says, Many children consume at least half their meals at school. Unfortunately, menus served in school lunch pr- programs are often full of processed frozen foods and are too low in fiber and nutrient-rich fruit and vegetables. Encourage your child to make healthier choices by teaching the importance of proper nutrition. And then she says, you know, always respect your child's choices. Try to take the anxiety out of it a little bit and have some fun with food. Um, And then, of course, you know, getting outside. Part of our nutrition comes through our skin. So get some vitamin D from the sunlight. Um, Get some fresh air and move your body. Those things will all help you. And... um, when you're trying to cut down on sugar, and if you are cutting down on sugar, you can feel a little like <laughs> you're going through a withdrawal. You can feel a little tense. So it's good to be able to do something to move your body, choose other activities. You know, you, you're trying to change a habit. So you have to replace those um, undesirable ha- habits with new things. Um, I have even lately been using a stress ball or like anything like squishy at my desk mm-hmm. instead of resorting to sugar when I'm stressed, um, when I'm working and somebody sends me a stressful email or something, I grab a stress ball and it seems kind of like duh, but it really works because if I can squeeze a stress ball, I don't want to go and eat a chocolate bar. Right. That's, <laughs> that's much better for you. It does help. And then I just drink 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 water and um that kind of helps too so doing yoga and doing yoga yes i do a lot of i do yoga every day so um yeah those are all some tips so i wanted to share this recipe from the healthy gut cookbook and I hope Lindsay doesn't mind that I share this on the podcast. It's actually a really simple recipe. And this juice is supposed to reduce cravings for sugary snacks and is also great for dumping excess water weight. So if you're trying to lose weight and kick sugar, um, this might be something to try. I haven't tried it yet, but I want to try it. Mm. So it's really, really simple. The ingredients are two cups of watermelon chunks and one large orange sectioned. And you place the watermelon and the orange through an electronic juicer. Um, I don't have a juicer. I think what I would probably do is just put it in the blender Mm -hmm. um, and maybe try to make a smoothie with some ice. And then it says serve alone or over ice. So I think making a smoothie with ice would probably make sense for this. But um, watermelon evidently has a diuretic effect, and it stimulates your kidneys to dump excess amounts of sodium, which takes water with it. Diuretic foods help you get rid of water weight and help rid the body of toxins. That's cool. And, of course, it's sweet, so it's going to help you reduce your cravings for, for something sugary. But also, I know that when you're drinking, when you're just drinking juice... Um, without you know it's not like fresh cold pressed juice or like a smoothie type like chopped up fruit you don't have the enzymes and the fiber with it so the sugar doesn't have the same effect on your body when you're actually getting the enzymes and the fiber with the sugar in the Mm -hmm. fruit um you're able to i guess process that better 
from what I understand, you know, if it's with the fruit, it's like eating a piece of fruit. So it has a different effect on your body than like just something with sugar in it, like a piece of candy would have. So something to think about. You guys let me know if you try it. I think I'm going to try it. And um, it sounds delicious. Now to wrap up, I'm going to have Matt kind of take it from here and talk about how to use EFT tapping for beating sugar cravings. And before he starts, I want to let you all know that if you are able to, while you're listening to this, pull up this website. It's www.thrivetribe419. That's Thrive Tribe and the numbers 419.com. And hover over the e-courses button on the menu and something will drop down and you want to click on the EFT tapping cheat sheet and that will show you actually a picture of Matt's face with some tapping points on it and something called the basic recipe which tells you how to do the basic tapping routine. Um, So you can kind of follow along as he's talking about this. If you're in the car, don't worry. Just listen, and you can go and get that cheat sheet later at thrivetribe419.com. So go ahead. Take it away, Matt. Tell us what you got. Okay. So a couple things that you can can try out for sugar cravings. Um, You know, a lot of times when we're doing tapping, we're focusing on a negative emotion, um, so when we're talking about uh, an addiction or a craving to sugar, you might ask, well, where's the negative feeling? Because I feel good when I eat that. But the difference is when you're talking about something that's addictive, um, we're getting like an unhealthy excitement when we're uh, trying to, or when we're having those things, and when we're thinking about having those things. So rather than um, trying to look at... Um, a negative emotion like um, anxiety or sadness or anger we we may be talking about um, excitement in an unhealthy way when we're talking about wanting to eat sugar so um, like like you would do with other um, you know setups for for tapping you'd want to talk about that emotion like that excitement for wanting something what you might want to do is actually have the the item that you're really wanting to have, and maybe this goes counter to the willpower thing we were talking about earlier. Um, so if it's if it's a piece of chocolate or something like that, um, actually having it there in front of you can be um, a good test of cure for um, for doing this. So as you look at this thing, you may want to smell it. Um, just kind of pick it up and uh, um, take a big sniff and see you know what's your excitement level for that so rate that from zero to ten and where are you feeling that in your body you might just be feeling it in your in your mouth because you're salivating (laughs) so um, then you would go and and uh, tap on the karate chop point and say something like you know even though I have this uh, unhealthy excitement about eating this chocolate bar I deeply and completely accept myself um, or even though I really want to eat this piece of chocolate, I know that it's not very good for me, and I choose to um, pick healthier options. So once you do that um, two or three times, then you go to the top of the head, and that's where the tapping point starts. Um, and you can do a reminder phrase like this excitement, this craving for chocolate, this craving for sugar, 
the side of the eye, or I'm sorry, um, eyebrows, the side of the eye, under the eye, um, where the orbital bone is, under the nose, the dip in your chin, across your collarbone, and then under your arm, and then you can just go back up to the top. So you, you could do several rounds of, of tapping um, on that craving and um, just kind of check in with yourself after that. You know, see what where you were at before. If that craving was like an eight or a nine, then you might want to see, like, did it actually go down? Did it go up for some reason? If it went up, then you may want to um, kind of dig into that a little bit more. Like, why did that, why did it go up? Um, so we, we might, there might be a deeper issue going on there. Uh, but chances are it probably will go down. And um, you want to keep tapping at that until that craving goes away. So um, one of the things that I actually did during my EFT training was they, they brought out little chocolate bars and um, put those in front of us to demonstrate this using uh, tapping for food cravings. Oh, for willpower. Right. <laughs> so um, it, was, it was really interesting. And um, for me, I, I did maybe two or three rounds on it on this little like good bar or whatever it was that was in front of me. And, um, and we, we just did, uh, kind of did a few rounds of group tapping on the, on the craving for it. And, um, what I noticed was I could feel this, this shift in, in my body. And it was like, I don't even want this thing anymore. Like it, I looked at it, you know, I, I smelled it after I did some rounds of tapping and it, it didn't even smell good. And it, you know, it's like you could kind of like taste if you if you tasted a little bit of it it tasted like chalky like it didn't taste the same it didn't have the same like allure that it did before and and after i did that it it took me it took me a while before i i really ventured back to chocolate so i mean it it may go away for an extended period of time and you might have to just kind of work on it you know if you if you do eat you know get back into eating um whatever that that subs that sugary substance is you're probably going to reactivate that craving and, and that addiction to it so um so so definitely um you know you can use that and and i've and i've done this at work when i walk back into the break room and there's um you know chalk some like a cookie or something like that that i know i i shouldn't have i will uh i'll, I'll do some do some tapping and and just kind of walk on by and it and it does help it really does and and you may even want to have like a favorite point that you can go to um a good one would probably be the point that's under your eye because that's part of the stomach meridian and um and that may be that may help to kind of quell that a little bit so um so that's kind of a a good uh quick tutorial on how you can use eft for sugar cravings and i hope that helps Thank you, Matt. That was really good. So again, if you guys need a tapping cheat sheet, you can go to www.thrivetribe419.com, hover over eCourses, and click on the cheat sheet. If you would like to work with Matt one-on-one, -on -one, he does offer coaching through our um, podcast um, services right. at a deep discount for the Thrive Tribe 419 listeners. Mm -hmm. 
and um, his services are usually $99 per session and they are very deeply discounted on our website for you guys because we want everybody to be able to have a chance to try EFT if you need it, see if it works, which it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we want you guys to try it and um, see that it does work, put it to use in your life, share it with other people because it's super easy to learn and easy to share with others and spread the word about how cool emotional freedom techniques really is. So again, it's www.thrivetribe419.com. Click on eCourses to um, schedule a time to work with Matt if you would like to. Also, I want to thank Brooke Gordon from Beetroot for taking the time to do our listener Q&A for this episode. Um, She does offer some goal session coaching with people. So she works with people one-on-one to try to um, determine what your uh, eating and nutrition goals are and kind of try to figure out a road path to get there. Um, She has recently been working um, a lot with people who are doing the Whole30 diet, which we had talked about before as being kind of similar to keto. Um, so if you're interested in any of that, you can check her out at, she has a great website, by the way, it's www.beetrootbrook.com. That's B-E-E-T-R-O-O-T-B-R-O-O-K-E.com. So check her out. She is, um, she's awesome. Yeah. She's really fun. And, um, Even if you don't work with her, just check out her blog because she has a lot of really great resources on there. And she does have articles about Whole30. And her Instagram will make you very hungry. Yeah, Yeah, she has a good Instagram account as well. And Facebook. So, yeah. So, thank you, Brooke. Thank you, Matt. And thank you, Lindsay Boyers, for your um, The Healthy Gut cookbook. And also, um, definitely check out her Instagram page, guys because um besides being super smart and just gorgeous um uh, you know of course i think it's because she eats so well um she's also really i just love reading what she posts she's very insightful and kind of spiritual and um very i don't know i feel like she she should be a therapist too or something i just really like the things that she posts and um I, I kind of wish that we could hang out in person because uh, I think we'd be like really good friends. <laughs> but, that's what stalkers say. <laughs> that's what stalkers say. I know. <laughs> I really like her a lot from what I can see. I, I really do. I'm, I'm a total fangirl. But, um, and she knows it. <laughs> she knows that I am. Maybe she can mail you some hair or something. <laughs> Weirdo. Okay, that's too much. <laughs> But uh, anyway, thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening, you guys. I hope this was a helpful episode. If you have any questions for us, you can join our Thrive Tribe 419 discussion group. It is a closed group on Facebook. So um, the link to that, you can just go to Thrive Tribe 419 on Facebook and scroll down on our page. And there's a little link to get into our closed discussion group where you can ask all kinds of questions. A lot of our uh, podcast guests and experts are members there, so um, you can tag them in a question if you have it anytime. And, um, yeah, I guess that's it for now. So, And I can't believe that that's the end of February and we're going into March. So 
<laughs> thank, thank goodness spring is right around the corner. Yes, thank goodness. So take care, you guys. Thanks for listening to the Thrive Tribe 419 podcast. Do you know someone who could benefit from the information you just heard? Share the love by sharing this episode. Want to connect online? Check out thrivetribe419.com to leave a review or check out more episodes. You can also join the conversation by searching for Thrive Tribe 419 on Facebook or Instagram. See you next time. Keep thriving.